Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why you can't really boost your immune system and the benefits of some weird pupils you can find in the animal kingdom. We'll also tell you about what we learned at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, when we were there last week in Las Vegas. Let's satisfy some curiosity on the award-winning Curiosity Daily. Walk through a pharmacy and you'll probably see lots of products that say they'll boost your immune system. There are a few problems with that, though. First, it's not really possible, and even if it was, you wouldn't like it. Here's why. Despite the way it's portrayed, the immune system is not one thing. It's a complex network that incorporates multiple cells, organs, and biological functions. In the simplest terms, the immune system has two jobs, the innate response and the acquired response. The innate response is what you notice when you get sick. It attacks infection with mucus, fever, coughing, and, in general, inflammation. What it lacks in specificity, it makes up for in speed. But the innate response doesn't actually drive infection out of the body. That's up to the acquired response like the antibodies your system collects from past illnesses and vaccines. In fact, vaccinations could be considered the exception to the immunity rule. They're the only known way to improve your immune system. Still, though, a vaccine can't boost the system's overall response, just its ability to fight the bug it's designed for. Since over-the-counter immunity boosters aren't vaccines, they must claim to boost the innate response, as in the one that can't actually drive infection away, but does cause inflammation, giving you inconvenient symptoms like a runny nose and fever. Even if you could boost your innate immune system and suffered through those symptoms, it wouldn't be good for you. Long-term inflammation is associated with all sorts of bad health effects, including hardening of the arteries and heart attacks. What you can do to make your life easier is to put your body in the best possible shape for the next time infection strikes. Eat a balanced diet, get enough rest, drink enough water, and exercise. And your plain old garden variety immune system will be ready to fight off invaders. Sorry there's no magic bullet at the pharmacy, but hey, we'll let you know if scientists come up with one. Today, I'm going to give you a crash course in five different types of pupils you can find in the animal kingdom. You know, the pupil in your eye. That's the dark circular opening in the center of your iris, and it varies in size to control how much light reaches your retina. Turns out pupils can kind of have superpowers. They can be vertical, horizontal, or crescent-shaped, and all for good reasons. First, let's get into vertical pupils. I'm talking foxes, cats, crocodiles, snakes, and geckos, ambush predators that are active by day and night. Turns out a vertical pupil can have razor-sharp focus in lots of light conditions. One reason is they can open really wide or close to tiny slits, depending on how much light they need to let in. A cat's pupils can expand by 135 times, and a gecko's can expand by more than 300-fold. Humans? 15-fold. Yeah, well, we've got opposable thumbs. So now who's the boss? Animals. Anyway, next is horizontal pupils. They're like panorama mode on your camera, and they make it so animals can see all around. Think grazing prey animals like goats, sheep, horses, moose, and white-tailed deer. An animal in this group tends to have its eyes on each side of its head. That makes it easy to see oncoming predators and know where to go when they're running away. And get this, their eyes swivel to remain aligned with the ground while they graze. Whoa! 
Finally, we've got crescent-shaped pupils, and they're for water-dwelling animals that don't move around a lot, like rays, flatfishes, catfish, and some whales. Long story short, these pupils help compensate for the way light bends differently in water than it does in air. You can read about the specifics of how that works in our full write-up on Curiosity.com and on our free Curiosity app for Android and iOS. But one more fun fact about crescent-shaped pupils is that they have a wide visual field, and they can take in more information than a circular pupil with the same surface area. If you're listening to this, you're a pupil of pupil science. Oh, yeah, you're a pupil pupil. Yep. Yep. Good talk. <laughs> We're going to go off script for our last story. This is exciting. We never do this. Yeah, I'm kind of scared. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we had a big week last week. We were at CES 2019, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. And that's where all of the device and tech and electronics companies from all over the world converge on Las Vegas for one week to just share all their most futuristic, like far reaching tech with the world. Yeah, you'll see cutting edge robotics, cutting edge televisions, artificial intelligence. So today, instead of talking about what we usually talk about, which is a lot of existing research and science, we're going to talk about some of the possibilities of what might be coming up in the next several years with some of these fields. And to give you an idea of how big this event is, in 2018, more than 188,000 industry professionals, including more than 63,000 from outside the U.S., were at this event. It was really big. I totally believe it. It was crowded, but it was also really huge. What was one of your favorite things that you saw? I think the screens were super impressive. You feel like you've seen one screen, you've seen them all, right? Like, oh, they'll get thinner, they'll get bigger, they'll get cheaper. But they were amazing. My favorite thing, I think many people's favorite thing, was this giant display called LG OLED Falls. It was a 20-foot tall, 65-foot wide display made of 260 screens, and some of them were flat, some of them were concave. It kind of bent and rippled along a wall and just played images of galaxies and the ocean and with all this beautiful high-definition sound. It was incredible. And if you're listening to this, you're not a big TV person, and you're thinking, okay, what's the big deal with a differently shaped or bigger TV? Well, it all comes into the chemistry and the science behind it. So we talked to actual experts who are researching new materials to use to create TVs. And an LCD TV requires a backlight. So you can make a differently shaped television, but you have to have that light behind it. Whereas an OLED TV effectively generates its own light with the differently changing colors. This is a very, very oversimplified explanation of this, by the way. But effectively, that allows you to create a television screen that you can actually roll. And in fact, we saw rolling televisions at LG as well. Yeah, they just rolled up right into a base. You could actually just like fold up your TV and put it away. Yeah. So science nerds, keep listening. because Just because it's TV doesn't mean it's not really interesting. And we're going to be writing about this and spreading more of this material on Curiosity.com in the coming weeks. So definitely keep an eye out for that. What I found was really interesting was the way that different innovations are being applied to different things. So we all know about self-driving cars and driverless cars and automation. Okay. How about self-driving coolers? Yeah. Like a cooler of ice. PepsiCo actually has a robot called Robbie that delivers snacks to college students at one university in California. And you've also got driverless luggage. You had some fun with that, didn't you? That was fun. It was about as close as I've ever gotten to have R2-D2 following me. It's equipped with cameras that can identify you. 
And then just will follow you around and it won't start following anyone else. It just knows it's you. And supposedly won't get away from you and start following other people. And that luggage is just one example of the recognition software. But we saw some pretty next level technology. I will say that CES was pretty widely talked about last week and probably into this week. So definitely check out some other outlets, too, if you want to get some extra CES news or dig deeper into some of the tech there. Because Ashley and I are only two people. There's only so much that we could talk about. But I will say that we had some pretty exclusive conversations with people who are working on the material science end of things. And you can find those on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash curiosity.com, all spelled out. They were fascinating. They really were. We learned about, again, the materials that go into these crystals. We talked about how huge companies invest in innovation. If you're really into the business end of entrepreneurship or startups or innovation in the technology and science space These are some really good conversations to check out. So anyway, that's our quick little mini CES wrap up. You will be hearing more about CES and some of our revelations in future episodes. We also met some interesting people that we're going to be following up with and getting on some future episodes as well. So we're starting off 2019 with a bang. Definitely. But I will say Las Vegas is a pretty tiring city. So it's going to take me a few days to wake up. Look, there's a lot of walking. There's so much walking. My Fitbit had a workout. Yeah, you hear about the Las Vegas Strip. If you haven't been there, maybe you think of the old Hollywood movies where it just looks like a regular road. No, 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 no. The new Las Vegas Strip, it's like you want to walk from one end of Caesar's Palace to the other. That's about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, and running on the Las Vegas Strip. Don't get me started. All those pedestrian bridges. Woo! We'll have to follow up on that later. (laughs) Read about today's stories and more on Curiosity.com. Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network. 